Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and French fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door, where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Welcome back to Savvy Psychologist. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and every week I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. Earlier this week, listener Brian wrote in with a dilemma. So like many office workers, he works in an open cube environment, and he is friendly and easygoing, but finds he's a magnet for co-workers taking a break from their own work. People pull up a chair next to his cube and chat, sometimes for up to half an hour. And when they're not hanging out in his cube, they are often hanging out nearby, having a loud conversation or talking on the phone. And Brian's work involves a lot of math and computer programming. So in other words, his work is, you know, work. And Brian says he's even tried pulling his file cabinet's drawer open as an ersatz privacy wall, which, unfortunately, his boss was quick to label as antisocial and a sign of not being a team player. So Brian asks, how can he be more assertive, defend his space, and tell people he needs peace and quiet without letting resentment build, or coming across as a jerk. Therefore, this week, let's dive into what to do when Donnie from Marketing stops by to show you his latest cat video. Okay, so one problem here is the environment itself. And on this issue, science is on Brian's side. In a study out of the University of Sydney, two architecture professors investigated the trade-offs between open plan and traditional offices. And the advantages of open plan offices are theoretically better teamwork, creativity, and quote, ease of interaction. But the study found that forced interaction did not offset the disadvantages of an open plan office, which matched Brian's experience exactly. Noise and lack of privacy. Okay, so that's part of it, but the real problem is that Brian is trapped by the Chatty Cathy's and garrulous Gary's of the world. It is a feeling familiar to many of us quiet types, and it is not exclusive to the office. It can happen at parties, family get-togethers, or anywhere small talk leaves you scanning the horizon for an escape route. Ellen DeGeneres likens the feeling to being on a highway with no exits when you have to pee. Okay, so all this begs the question, why do some people talk so much? Well, some talkers fill empty space with nervous chatter to relieve their anxiety. Others keep up a stream of verbal filler because it keeps their brain distracted and off their emotions. And still others talk because they find it rewarding to talk about themselves. Now, 
everybody needs someone in their life to whom they can report what they had for lunch. Unfortunately, not everyone, including Brian, wants to serve this function. Now, we have all tried subtle cues to signal that we don't want to talk, such as saying, okay then, or continuing to type while the person talks. But these seldom work. And a recent study in the Journal of the Experimental Analysis of Behavior even tested a classic subtle technique, avoiding eye contact. So in this study, conversations were staged between two actors and a participant. And the actors were instructed to offer verbal approval like, yes, I agree, or exactly, or good point, at specific intervals. What differed is that in half the conversations, the actors made these points only while making eye contact, while in the other half, they commented while looking away, a subtle cue we often use when trying to bring a conversation to a close. So, did the participants pick up on this and talk less? Not at all. Avoiding eye contact had no effect. And even worse, the study found the participant chatted more to whichever of the two actors talked less. Now, all of this begs the question, how do we deal with people who talk too much? Well, Brian hits the answer spot on when he asks how he can be more assertive. And moving from passive to assertive can feel wrong and dangerous, especially when we weren't taught to stand up for ourselves. But at its heart, being assertive simply means leaving an interaction with respect for others and respect for yourself intact. Now, ideally, Brian's cue visitors would self-regulate or reflect on their impact on him, but it's also important for Brian and all of us to set appropriate boundaries. Therefore, here are five things to try when Leonard from Accounting launches into a play-by-play of his divorce proceedings. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. So tip number one for how to deal with people who talk too much is say it out loud. It's really tempting to use nonverbal cues to signal that you don't want to chat. Just like in the study, we might avoid looking at them, or we might glance at our work or continue to type while they stand there and yammer. But folks who treat Brian's cube like the local watering hole aren't great at picking up on these subtle cues. So even though it's hard, If it's clear that Kevin from the next cube is settling in for a long monologue about the Patriots liberally littered with quotes from the Hangover franchise, nip it in the bud. Now, we ask, how? Well, it may be tempting to wait for an opening or to engage for a few minutes so you don't feel rude. But if you know exactly what's happening when Kevin rolls his chair into your cube, It's okay to interrupt before he even sits down. You can even raise your hand in a stop gesture. The key is how you do it. You get to set the tone. You can say you're busy, you can't talk, or that you're on a deadline, but say it in the same tone you'd use to ask the time or order a sandwich. Present it as a simple fact without overly polite acrobatics or we-have-to-talk style dramatics. So some example lines might include, Hey, Kevin, I want to hear this, but today I have got to stay on schedule, so I'll catch you later, okay? Or, Hey, how's it going? I'm on a deadline, so nobody can talk to me until three o'clock. 
I'll see you then. Or, good to see you. Hey, I'm in the middle of something. Can you stop by later? Or, said in mock frustration with shooing hand gestures, no talking today, I am trying to cut back. Now, for those of us raised not to interrupt, this feels wrong. But I finally learned that many talkers realize they're filling the air and therefore don't actually take offense when you put a stop to it. Whether it's nervous chatter, procrastination over their own work, or just lack of a mental filter, their talk gets as big as the space we give it. So less time doesn't mean less goodwill, it just means less talk. And that's good news for you. Now, even more counterintuitive, sometimes talkers know they're wasting your time. It makes them feel powerful and in control, not in a sociopathic way, but just enough to give them an ego-reinforcing boost when they visit your cube. They get a break and a pick-me-up, which makes them come back for more. And assuming they're not bona fide bullies, when you interrupt and set a boundary, they actually don't get mad. They just go elsewhere, and they respect you more for standing up for yourself. Of course, you have to calibrate your assertiveness to the visitor. Don't shoo away your boss, for example, even if he's stopping by just to harass you about putting the new cover sheet on your TPS report. All right, so let me validate all this. It can be hard to push back, especially if you haven't had much practice, but consider it an experiment. Try it and see how it goes, because we already know the alternative, which is stewing in resentment for as long as their monologue lasts. Tip number two is redirect visitors to come back during, quote, office hours. Now, it is important to listen to the occasional story and watch the occasional cat video to build rapport and get along, but you don't have to do it on their schedule. Therefore, tell people what time you're free or stipulate a time limit. So, for example, you could say, I'm on a deadline, so I have two minutes, or I am just in the middle of wrapping something up. Can you come back in half an hour? Again, it is best to do this verbally. Now, you might be tempted to post a sign, but especially with an earnest, overly serious sign, that can come across as passive-aggressive or out of step. So think twice before posting anything. However, the one exception can be a humorous sign. If your workplace culture can handle it, on the days you need it, consider a temporary sign outside your cube or even on the back of your chair. It could say, Nerd marinating, do not disturb until 3 p.m. deadline has passed. Or, interrupt me before 2 p.m. and wolves will rip your face off. Or, Brian's visitor cheat sheet for Monday. Q, how's it going? A, fine. Q, how was your weekend? A, relaxing. Q, can I ask you a question? A, yes, after 3.30, when I've wrapped this up. Tip number three is be ready for pushback. Every group has a culture. Your office, your family, even a romantic couple has a culture all their own with implicitly understood roles, rules, and inside jokes. And when you try to change a culture, it pushes back, trying to maintain homeostasis. Which brings us to tip number four, which is stay consistent. Cultures can be changed. And what helps them change fastest is consistency, especially at the outset. So when you're first setting boundaries, it can be really tempting to cave just this once, but stick to your guns as much as possible. So to illustrate, think about waiting for a bus. If you know for sure the bus comes every 10 minutes, 
you'll walk away to hail a cab after 11 minutes. But if you know the bus runs late from time to time and will eventually show up, you'll wait for a long time, maybe even 20 or 30 minutes. And the same principle applies with setting limits. If you consistently shoo people out of your cube before 3 p.m. and verbally tell them what you're doing, they'll get the message much faster than if you make exceptions, bend the rules, and generally hem and haw. And finally, tip number five is get support from higher-ups. Now, Brian brought up the issue of his boss labeling him antisocial and not a team player. And clearly, this is a problem because he's simply trying to stay on task and do his job. So if you're in a situation like this, ask for a meeting with your supervisor to explain the problem, present solutions you're already implementing to demonstrate you're working on the problem rather than dumping it in their lap, and ask explicitly for the supervisor to have your back. It's important to keep these meetings about productivity and the bottom line. Don't complain about office culture or your feelings. Instead, frame your request in terms of lost productivity and, if possible, lost dollars to the company. Finally, if your supervisor has the power, it's also worth getting support to use an office with a door when available, to use a white noise machine, or best of all, telecommute a day or two a week. Depending on your workplace culture, you can approach changes either by implementing them yourself and seeing if anyone objects, or by asking a higher-up for a green light. So give all of these a try. And when Barbara from Purchasing peeks over your cube wall and wonders aloud what might be wrong with her basement sump pump, you will be ready. Thank you for making Savvy Psychologist a part of your life. Did you know more books are purchased in December than in any other month? If you haven't already, consider picking up my book, How to Be Yourself, Quiet Your Inner Critic, and Rise Above Social Anxiety, either for yourself or for someone you love. Savvy Psychologist is audio engineered by Steve Rickyberg and edited by Joe Muscolino. And as always, Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you so much for listening. Have a lovely week, and I'll see you here next Friday for a happier, healthier mind. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.